Hello and welcome to the Bids, Tenders and Proposals podcast. Here you will get insights on how to write successful bids, how to do business with government, and things to avoid in your submissions. Here is your host Arvind Lau, who has evaluated thousands of tenders as part of his work and continues to provide technical advice and training to a number of government organizations and private sector on tendering, procurement, negotiations and contract management. So, let's get started. Today's episode is brought to you by BidHQ.com.au. BidHQ is a platform where you can manage all your bids in one place and collaborate with your team to create the best bid responses. Sign up for a free trial at BidHQ.com.au. Hello and welcome to the Bid Tenders and Proposal podcast. My name is Avin Lal and in today's episode, we'll be talking about bid or no bid decision. Every tenderer or every company that's putting in a tender or putting in a bid for any of their works should ask whether they should actually bid for this work or not bid for this work. If you really look at it, and those of you who are in the in the bidding uh, game or you put the bids together, you should you would obviously know it costs a lot of time, energy, resources, money to actually put the bid together, depending on the complexity of the bid that you are putting in. So it is often uh, a very important question that you should ask is, should you actually bid for this work or should you not bid for this work? Sometimes um, from the evaluation point of view, I have seen bids that are coming that are half-baked, that are people actually just put in something just to be in, in the tender. I mean, there may be a point there from a, a, a tenderer's point of view, uh, or a bidder's point of view, should I say, or a pro- you know, person writing a proposal's point of view, this may be just so that they can be seen as a company or not. However, the, the bigger question is, are you writing the bid to win the work or are you writing the bid for the sake of writing the bid? You know, when I was a young engineer, I'm still a young engineer, by the way, but um, when I was a young engineer working on site once and I asked this contractor, We put out this request for tender and you didn't respond to it. And he said to me that sometimes it's better to lose a contract than to lose a company. And of course, sometimes there are companies that have gone for really large tenders, which they were not capable of and they have underquoted or whatever else they have done. Perhaps they didn't do an exercise of bid or no bid and they've just bid for it. They've won the work. And in the process, they were not able to do the work. So if you're not able to actually do the work when you win it, there is a lot of damage you can do to the company. One is obviously financial. And number two is reputational damage. This means that you can actually lose the credibility of your company for any future work. Let's look at bid or no bid decision. Now, what we'll be looking at is the request for tender or request for proposal you want to look at the evaluation criteria what is the evaluation like you want to look at the competition that's in the market that are likely to compete for the same work that you are you are bidding for you want to look at your solution whether your solution is uh, suitable for the purpose whether you are you're likely your solution is likely to win then there is uh, the pricing whether you are able to price it into a comp- in a competitive manner And of course, if there is an incumbent in place that is currently doing that work, whether that incumbent is someone that you can knock off. So let's start from the beginning. Let's look at the 
the request for proposal, request for bid, or request for tender. When you are looking at the request for tender document, so once the customer or a, or a government organization, let's call them a customer here, puts out a request for tender, do you clearly understand and can supply the deliverables? So you've got to look at the deliverables and look at it and say, can I really do this work? And then number two is, do you clearly understand and can meet the schedule? So there might be a, a schedule specified in the request for tender documents uh, that will say that the work needs to be completed in three months or six months or, or a year, whether you are able to you know, realistically meet that. If, if you are not, then perhaps this is not your area of work. Will the customer adhere to the schedule published in the request for proposal or request for tender? So that's another thing you've got to look at is what is the likelihood of your customer that you are tendering to will hold those timelines that you are you are committing to. Uh, and the other thing is when you look at your request for tender and request for proposal is will your internal and external partners commit to supplying the necessary resources? Now, this means that sometimes when you put in a tender for any of the work, you need to make sure that any of your internal partners, and you know, which means you're, you're supporting sections within your organization or the subcontractors are they on board are they able to meet the the timelines are they able to actually work with you on this particular project and you're going to look at your point of difference your unique point of difference that your company brings is it interesting enough to the prospect and can the customer justify your selection based on your point of difference and the cost so these are the things that you will look at initially before you proceed to the next thing now you've got to look at is the evaluation. How will this be evaluated? So do you know the evaluation process the customer will use? If you do, then obviously you will know that uh, your company is likely to meet that or not likely to meet that. And how does your solution rate against the evaluation criteria? So if there is an evaluation criteria that's published in there and there is a solution that you are providing, you'd want to see how well your company is able to meet that uh, evaluation criteria. And are you able to meet all of the evaluation criteria or not? So there's, that, that's another thing that you've got to look at. And if you are not able to meet that, meet the evaluation criteria, then obviously it'll be a, a no-go zone. You won't, be, you won't be going down the path of tendering or putting in the effort into tender for something that is really not um, going to be evaluated in your favor. Now, the next one is the competition. So any of you listening and any of your companies that are putting in any of the bids at any of the time, you would know that the competition is always going to be there and you need to know the competition in the market. So within a region or within the area of work that you are doing and or within the industry that you are providing the service in, you'd want to know what the competition is doing. So you'd want to ask the question, do you know who your competitors are and how you stack up against them. Sometimes you would probably know that there is a certain number of uh, machinery required and you are not able to meet it, but your competitor does. So perhaps it is not the tender that you will be responding to. Do you know how the customer perceives your competitors? So if, if the customer has got a very good relationship with the com competitors and they are already providing very successful work with them, how does that stack up, uh, you know, for your company? Do they, if the, if the customer sees the competitors in a better light than your company, then there is another thing that you need to consider. 
And in comparison to the competitors, do you have strong, relevant examples, testimonials, reference, and case studies? So do you have all those stacked in favor of you or not when you compare the, the competitors? The other thing that you're going to look at is your solution, the solution you are proposing for this particular work. So does your solution and management approach add value to the customer? Every company will bring their own unique solution. So you need to be able to have a look and see that your solution that you are proposing is going to you know, have that point of difference and that difference is going to be a favorable one for your customer. And how you fill in any remaining solution gaps. So if your solution has got some gaps in it uh, from what is specified in the request for tender, you need to find out how you are going to fill those gaps in, whether you bring in subcontractors to be, to be able to do that and whether those subcontractors are available to do that and whether the subcontractor is actually keen to tender with you to go and, and do that. So that's that's looking at the solution as a whole. Now, the next one is pricing. Of course, pricing, I always say about pricing when people ask me about, you know, how should you price the pricing is every company's own commercial offer and they know what their company runs at, what their costs are, what their profit margins are and what pricing that they are able to provide. So you will have to look at, do you know what your price should be to win the contract? There's often in the industry, when people are in the industry and they've, they've done a lot of work in the, in the area, they seem to understand what's the pricing point that will win the contract. And whether the pricing point is actually acceptable to your management and executive as well, whether there's a, a larger margin that they're after or whether there's going to be other costs that are involved that you are, you are not looking at. And from your pricing point of view, you need to find out whether your customer has the budget for the project as well. If if you are likely to stretch the pricing beyond what uh, the customer is willing to pay, whether the customer will have the budget to to pay for it. Now, the the last point here is the incumbency. So whether there is an incumbent contractor in place and is that incumbent contractor beatable? And now a lot of the time, the incumbent contractors on you know, particularly in the service industry and in, in any of the service being provided, you know, they they hold a contract for, say, five years. And in the five years, they understand every bit of that work and how that work needs to be done. So they are in a very good position to be able to retender and win that work. So you need to understand whether the incumbent is beatable and do you have the capacity to assemble the strategies and resources to, to bait the incumbent? And can you provide evidence that you will do a better job of meeting all the needs of the customer better than the incumbent is, uh, is providing? Well, sometimes I've found that the incumbents actually uh, do the, the other tender as a favor by not doing such a good job. And when they do that, it actually helps the other, other tenderers looking at doing the work or looking to tender for this work, it gives them a, 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 an advantage because the incumbent uh, has basically ruled themselves out by not performing so well. So the incumbent has got a bit of pressure on them as well. Now, all these, um, I have put this into a table and you can actually download the table from bidsmart.com.au website uh, along with the show notes. So 
you can actually have a look at that uh, and it's it's tabulated into the, the areas. So the areas we cover in this table are the request for proposal, what, I've, what we've talked about, the evaluation criteria, the competition, what do you need to do with the competition, the solution you're proposing or the, the pricing, and of course the incumbent uh, that's in place. So basically you can actually look at all these areas of work and you can look at whether your company is in a position to bid for this particular work. So all in all, it is always better to ask the question whether you should or shouldn't rather than just put in a bid in and hoping that you will win. And if you do win, then you hope how you are going to go ahead and and assemble the team and do this work. And then when you assemble the team to do the work, then you hope that all will come together. Well, sometimes some companies can pull it off and and I've seen that happen and they've just thrown their hat in the ring and they they win it and then they wing it. And other times I've seen companies that have uh, put their hat in the ring and they've found out that it is really not that good and uh, and they struggle for the rest of the for for the whole term of the of the contract so it is better to actually do the due diligence with, which is what it is from your your corporation's point of view or corporate point of view is you got to do the due diligence and make sure that you understand the true requirement of the work that's there and you are able to actually go through a little process of just ticking the box. And I've got the table here in the, on, on my website. So go and, go and grab the table and you can actually have a look and see. Um, you know, some of those questions obviously will not be relevant to you, but at least it'll make you think. And you can probably tick the box and say, yep, we've thought about it. Yes, we've got the subcontractors. Yes, we understand the evaluation criteria. Yes, we understand the competitors. And our solution is the superior solution and we can really make a very good argument for that solution. And pricing wise, I know we can win it. And you know that incumbent, they've done it done a, done us a favor by not doing such a good job. So we can win this work. So you get the table and you will probably be able to get a bit of um, you know guide as to um, whether you should go or no go or bid or no bid. And it'll give you a bit of an understanding of whether to bid or not to bid. So thank you very much for joining me today in this podcast. And you can get the show notes again at uh, bidsmart.com.au. Until next time, good luck with your bids, tenders and proposals. Mm-hmm.